Welcome back to the Longview Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, here recording Wednesday afternoon, right before the Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs face-off. So if this happens to go up Wednesday night or uh, Thursday morning, we have nothing that relates to the game. So this isn't any uh, anything that's going to age out. But before I introduce my guests, let me tell you how you can get in touch with the Longview Podcast. The Longview Podcast is a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, 3ND Podcast, Core 4 Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts, you can tune into the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SPN Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than the undertaker of Grizzlies Twitter. He is the GBB father. It's none other than Joe Molinax. Joe, how are you doing today, sir? I believe I sent you and Brandon Abraham, uh, who's our other associate editor. We have a, a, a triumvirate text, so to speak, and I think I sent you guys a screenshot damn facebook reminded me that i've been doing this for over eight years now in terms of podcasting i've been blogging even longer than that but it was eight years ago you were sharing a post about gbb live and yet i'm still here parker i can't go away i truly am the undertaker if not in terms of greatness in my work in terms of refusing to die and go away yeah if you stay for like five more years you may need to call yourself the rick flair of uh Grizzlies yeah. twitter and then but, that just gets sad you know <laughs> that just gets sad so i probably won't make it that far but we'll, we'll stick with undertaker for now mm-hmm. yeah well before we uh, get into our uh topics for uh today i do want to ask you know it's been eight years since you started the podcast game i'm kind of putting you on the spot here whether it's a guest that you had or a topic what was your favorite podcast experience on the gbb podcast network You are putting me on the spot. Um, You know, I really enjoy not hearing myself on blog talk radio anymore. That's part of my favorites. Uh, Making that switch was really good for us. Uh, In terms of guests, I've always really enjoyed talking with Jeff Calkins uh, of the Daily Memphian, formerly of the Commercial Appeal. Uh, I really like Jeff. Uh, Matt Hardlick is another one who used to be on our blog. Uh, grizzlybearblues.com and he's gone and done his own patreon thing and he's done a great job with that page it's pretty successful so i like talking with him and i've really enjoyed the opportunity to talk with some grizzlies players you know whether it's avery bradley that we've had on in the past uh, other guys excuse me i know we've had g league folks in the past on the on the podcast network um so the chance to talk with members of the organization jason march uh, before he became the head coach of the Memphis Hustle. Uh, he was somebody that we had on the GBB Podcast Network a couple of times for his work 
coaching with the Grizzlies organization before with Dave Yeager. Uh, I've been around that long, as crazy as it sounds. So um, lots, lots, too many to count. Um, and, uh, you know, one day I'll eventually be done doing this and I'll have to sit down and actually think through all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, just off the top of my head, those folks come to mind for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, D'Anthony Melton, if you happen to be listening to this, Joe just, he forgot about you. I did not forget about you, D'Anthony Melton. I just knew we were going to talk about you later on in the show. And I was going to bring up friend of GBB live, D'Anthony Melton. Okay, there we go. That's, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, so uh, for this show, Joe and I wrote two pieces Yes, uh, on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Um, you know, pretty solid pieces. I wouldn't put them on the Mount Rushmore of our work over at GBB. But whoa, 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 whoa. You don't think Kendrick Williams is sexy enough to be on our Mount Rushmore? Come on, man. I mean, I'm not really talking about uh, Midrich Williams, but I'm I'm talking about uh, I that yes for those are those that just heard Midrich Williams are missing on a complete insider from the GBB yes. Black that I might get into um, later in the show. But um, first, I want to talk about Joe's. He wrote about uh, trading away Jarrett Culver, and you know that kind of it, it's not outlandish to think. I mean. People I've talked to, you know, they mentioned that his contract is kind of for trade purposes. I mean, he's making about, what, seven mil this year, expiring contract, not in the rotation. But, you know, I mean, he was the number six pick in the draft just two drafts ago or two, three drafts right. ago. So, I mean, he's still – there's still something there. I mean, at least this year, he's kind of proving that it was all development situation. And I think, two, we kind of got of taking consideration. one. Minnesota isn't the best in terms of uh, talent development, unless your name is Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns. But also, too, like Jarrett Culver had his rookie season cut short to a pandemic. And then all the uh, weirdness and irregularities from the 2020, uh, 2021 season. So not not the best start for Jarrett Culver. But like you mentioned in your article, Joe, he has uh, turned himself into someone that you could buy yourself into him being an NBA player. I don't know at what level, but I mean, it's quite ironic. Like, could he just end up being John Conjar, a guy that's an 11th man in your rotation and you can have an emergency spot minute. So that's probably what Culver's showing that he could become. But Joe, despite this uh, slow start to Culver's career and the fact that he's not even in the Grizzlies rotation, what, what is it that makes him as a trade chip more appealing than his resume sounds? Well, it's the fact that he has the capacity to be a young player who has that upside. You know, Culver makes a lot of sense to me, in my opinion, on a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who I think is the main fit for a player like Jared Culver. Uh, the, 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 the ideal trade, excuse me, that I use for uh, Culver's contract is Culver in a pretty heavily protected future first in 2026, protected one through 24. So Essentially, it's either a pick 25 through 30 in the 2026 draft or it's the Grizzlies 2027 and 2028 second round picks. I have Culver in that package going to Oklahoma City in exchange for Kendrick Williams. And I think that the reason that the Thunder do that deal is Jarrett Culver is somebody that they can afford to take a flyer on. He was a former six round pick or excuse me, six overall pick in the 2019 draft the John Morant draft, 
as you kind of alluded to, not everybody handles the whole pandemic thing, perhaps as well as John Morant does. Uh, I do think that's something that we kind of underestimate as not just a, a fan base or, you know, bloggers, media, whatever you want to call us as society, we kind of underestimate the craziness of all of this on people is people, right? I mean, we're all individually people just because they're basketball players and they make millions of dollars doesn't mean that they don't have reactions to the world burning around them. So I, I do tend to see him as a solid second draft kind of guy, second contract, go to a spot where there's not as much expectation, which clearly there won't be in OKC, at least for another year or two. And you sign him to a contract, kind of a prove it deal, and allow for him to have a chance to be in a rotation and see what he can do in a developmental system where there's other players like him, where the expectation isn't necessarily for him to be something more than he is. I see that as valuable. And OKC really likes draft picks. I don't know if you know that or not, Parker, but between now and the 2028 draft, they have 36 draft picks. Obviously, they're not going to make all of those picks, but this would allow for them to have extended assets. This would allow for them to continue that push to have another technically future first. Uh, if you had to make it less protected, say one through 15 or something along those lines, I think I still do it. Because again, if the Grizzlies are what we think they will be in 2026, which is crazy to say only four years from now, four years from now, first off, I better not still be doing this. If I am, you have permission to kick me in the face, Parker. Secondly, whoever is running the site is talking about the idea of NBA championships. Maybe a banner is already hanging in FedEx Forum. That is what their end game is here. And if they are in that spot and they're healthy, they're giving up the 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th overall pick. And that really doesn't hold as much value. Now, that's hard to say after, you know, Desmond Bain a couple of years ago. It can hold that much value. But traditionally, historically, it doesn't. So for Memphis, it makes sense in that regard to pick up a 10th or 11th man in the rotation and a Kendrick Williams or Ken Rich Williams, excuse me. Um, but I, I do think that it makes sense for OKC because they added an asset, another draft pick, and they add a player who they're taking a flyer on. If he doesn't work, who cares? For in, in their mindset, the pick is more valuable than Colvin. If he does hit, you know, the Grizzlies didn't opt in on a contract, understandably so. This is a guy who is still young, inexperienced, has an opportunity to play a little bit. And again, the Thunder aren't trying to win. The Grizzlies, if not now, by the, but this summer especially, are trying to win. And uh, a Culver doesn't really fit that mold or their roster constru or construction right now as much as Williams from uh, the Thunder do does. So I think it makes sense for both sides. Yeah. I mean, and also too, I mean, I, I'm not – the absolute highest on Kendrick Williams. I did call him Midrich Williams because the first, you know, GBB Slack, we're content creators. We're trying to come up with ideas. The first, the first trade target, Sean Coleman, it, probably a bigger trade machine fiend than Joe, he suggested Kenrich Williams. And I am just over here like, this dude's mid. Like, why are we suggesting going and giving up first round picks for him? But I think Joe's laid out a good outline. And I, I kind of want to hit on the 
quick points that you mentioned of prioritization. And he's also better than you give him credit for, Parker. He probably is. He's I mean, better than you give him credit for. He's able to do he's, whatever he wants because Oklahoma City is actively trying to lose basketball games. He has the ability to defend multiple positions, has the ability to create offense for others. He's in the 81st percentile, according to uh, cleaning the glass and assist percentage. He is a decent three-point shooter. He doesn't shoot at volume, so that may not translate. But he's been shooting well from three the last couple of years. You know what the best part is, Parker? What's that? He can play the two, three, and four, and he only costs $2 million next year. Do you know? So he is cheap. Do you know who also fits that criteria? Don't say John Conchar. John Conchar. John Conchar is smaller than Ken Midrich Williams. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, if he's your backup three who's not in your playoff rotation, that that's fine, whatever. But you have three pointers here for uh, such a deal. You have additional years, versatility, and upside. Obviously, upside, you know, you, you kind of shoot for upside when you're playing one on the margins like that. That's exactly what they did when they traded for Jarrett uh, Culver in the first place. Uh, versatility. I mean, I've expressed this to you numerous times. Uh, I think the back third of the roster is pretty redundant. Uh, you have a lot of, you have like four non-shooters. Uh, Xavier Tillman has turned into a non-shooter. Uh, after being solid his rookie season, uh, Santi Aldama likes to shoot. He can't shoot, but he likes to shoot. Um, Killian Tilly's, uh hasn't really shot the ball well, but he's done a lot of other stuff. And then Jared Culver can't shoot. So versatility is important. Um, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some some way where like the upside outweighs the versatility needs. So you just kind of roll with it, see what it can get. But there's one question I want to ask with additional years. And you know, there's going to be uh, this year, um, there's going to be some pretty interesting names entering the restricted free agency market. I think one name that should be kind of brought up in this um, this elk is Marvin Bagley. And I, I think it's worth noting, too, that Brian Windhorst around the draft reported that uh, before the Grizzlies ended up taking uh, the Adams and 10 and the Lakers pick for Valanciunas and 17, and well, also Bledsoe is in that too, but you, you kind of get the gist of it. Before that deal was ultimately completed, there was a deal that was out there offered. I don't know on which side that it fell through, but it was going to be the Kings' ninth pick and Marvin Bagley for Jonas Valanciunas in the 17th pick. So it's like, hmm, do the Grizzlies have interest in Marvin Bagley or is the deal declined because they don't want Marvin Bagley? So long-winded, but can condensed down to the question of when it comes to additional years, would you also consider someone who is entering restricted free agency this season, but could also be kept for the qualifying offer? For the record, I'm very sad that that Kings trade didn't happen because that sounds even, I think that the trade worked out both ways for Memphis and new Orleans. Uh, Jonas is playing very well for them. The Pelicans have been sneaky good since Brandon Ingram's returned. I think they're an above 500 team over the last 30 games. Uh, and we still haven't played with Zion yet. Gosh, Bagley and number nine would have been cool. Because you still have Zaire, right? And that was one of the main points of the trade. You're still getting Williams in that deal. Or yeah. you have the you know opportunity to try to move up a little bit higher, maybe. I, I know they liked Franz Wagner. They liked Josh Giddy. 
but again, Zaire, I think, is, is a fine upside swing. Uh, and then my, Marvin Bagley, yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the qualifying offer holds value because as the Grizzlies start getting more cap uh, cognizant or cap aware over the next couple of years, because John Morant's going to get a max extension, you would ma- imagine. Super, super max. If he, yeah, well, if he gets all NBA, you're exactly oh, right. I, I think Which, all NBA is more of a win instead of if. Yeah, I mean, again, it's top 15 guys. If he's an all-star starter, he's obviously in that mix. I think that's fair to say. And I think we all assume, you know, recording this on Wednesday, like you said, we're, we're doing a pre-write. Spoiler alert, we're doing a pre-write over at GBB for job being named all-star starter. So if you're an all-star starter, you're probably in the all-NBA box. That, that's a fair point. Uh, I think that if he gets super maxed, you're already paying Jaron. Dylan's coming up. Brandon Clark is coming up. You're going to have to start paying these dudes and you're going to start flirting with the luxury tax. You want to have the ability to go over the cap, not over the tax, but over the cap to resign your guys. And you have to do that in some ways through restricted free agency, having three or more years on a contract with an unrestricted free agent, like a Kyle Anderson. Uh, and you want to be able to put yourself in that spot that they can be maintained on your roster and you can operate as an over the cap team. A restricted free agent allows for you to do that more easily because you can match any offers that come in and out. gives you a little more flexibility in terms of negotiations. So I would be okay with that as well. And to be honest with you, I do think that's an under-discussed, and I talk about Kenrick Williams, or Kenrick Williams, excuse me. Um, The idea of bringing in somebody who's entering that fourth year and or even they're in fit your system over the next that. Now, I don't know that Jared Culver and the Jazz first gets to Marvin Bagley, but at the same time, if there is a player of that and they're available, then by all means, kick those tires. I see them doing something more towards the end of the rotation. I don't, you know, I like to give you and Brandon a hard time about the immaculate vibes and how, you know, oh, we can't disrupt all this great chemistry and, how fragile that chemistry must be if you trade away Kyle Anderson. Uh, I don't disagree with the idea, however, living in the world that we do covering this team, there's probably some truth to that, at least in the short term. So a Jerry Culver trade plus one of the plethora of picks that they have makes a lot of sense. That probably gets you a Kendrick Williams. And I, I think that that isn't a bad thing. You know, I, I am not as high on John Conchar as you and Brandon are. I think Kendrick Williams is better than John Conchar in terms of what he can do versatility-wise. Zaire Williams is not ready for playoff basketball. He's not. Williams is 27 years old, a former teammate of Desmond Bain, by the way, at TCU. That's probably why you love him so much. (laughs) I do love me some Desmond Bain. That's a great point. Uh, But I, I do see the potential there to bring in a guy who can be your ninth or 10th man in the rotation. Williams serves as a Kyle Anderson replacement. If you want to go that route, he can serve that same role. Uh, He's not quite a five like Kyle can play, but he can play the three, four better than Kyle can play the three, four now, at least in my opinion. But to answer your original question, I would be cool with that, but I think that costs you more. If that makes sense. I think that you're not able to do Jared Culver in two second round picks or Jared Culver in a protected first to bring in uh, somebody of that ilk 
And that would be really cool to do. And they have the assets to make that bigger plunge if they want to. But is it worth the squeeze? I mean, you bring Bagley in here. Who does he supplant? You know, who does he take out of the rotation? That's an interesting question. Yeah. A Bagley a disrupts the vibes more than a, a, a mid-Rick Williams does. Yeah. I will I will say I'm actually looking at the 2019 uh, draft right now. Uh, you know, Culver's uh, classmates here. I tell you what, and I'm only I'm saying this because this is my podcast and I can say this, but if the asking price for Cam Reddish was Kevin Knox in a first round pick, I would have done the Culver and Jazz pick yesterday. But you know, Cam Reddish, clutch client, he was probably like, oh. Get him either to a team that sucks so he could be a starting three or get into a big market. So probably that went on because, you know, Rich Paul, uh, one of the one of the best sports agents out there. But if the asking price was that low, man, I would have loved to get Cam Reddish just for the swing. It's a hell of a swing. I do not like Cam Reddish, but I do agree that that was extremely low of a price. Even was- I probably would have accepted Cam Reddish for Culver in the Jets. Yeah, I, I would have been absolutely geeked over that. But, you know, there's there's other names out there, you know, um, kind of in the same realm of a um, Culver or a uh, Anderson replacement. Do you try to see and kick the tires on like a Ruby Hachimura who, you know, there's a lot of positional redundancy, um, especially when it comes to building because they have Danny Advia who's, essentially like the same player. Uh, do you try to see about uh, third guard, future backup point guard, Ty Jerome? Um, I know you, you, I kind of got to make, make up for the reddish one with that, but there, there's some directions they can go. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what they do. And I will say, I know Joe alluded to this. Um, he's trying to, rile up Brandon and I messing with the vibes of the team. But I, I will say, I, I I do think that I kind of fall in line with Brandon of like, wait till the offseason because you can identify your Achilles heel in the postseason and then pivot towards that in the offseason. But I think they should be, um, I'm trying to put the right word, uh, opportunistic buyers. You know, they're not full-end buyers, but you know, if there's an opportunity that pops up, Go right ahead. Go do it. Um, I, I think, you know, going for a guy like uh, Kyle Kuzma could work or going for a guy like Karis LeVert, that could work too. But that, that's kind of where I fall on it. Um, I don't, Either I don't of those guys is a sixth-man scorer on this Grizzlies team. And, again, you get into the playoffs and your, your rotation condenses, right? Yeah. Kenrick Williams, as much as I love him, if, if you're trading Culver and the Jazz first, even, which I don't know that that would happen, but let's say you do, just hypothetically. If you keep everybody else, Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, friend of GBB Live, mm-hmm. Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, Williams probably isn't supplanting any of those dudes in a playoff rotation. Probably not, unless maybe Kyle's struggling or something like that. So I think that you don't necessarily make a move of that regard thinking of the playoffs Kyle Kuzma now you're talking Kyle Kuzma Uh, Karis LeVert now you're talking now you've got a guy who would be in that nine-man rotation and would supplant 
one of those four guys in your reserve unit, whether it's Melton, whether it's uh, Anderson, Clark even, or Tyus. So there's a lot of interesting pieces with that. But again, if you're doing Culver plus Anderson, that brings in Kuzma, you've got your replacement for Kyle because, again, 3-4 kind of hybrid. Kuzma's big enough where he could probably play the five. I don't know that I would do that very much. And I, th- I think uh, he can also, because of his perimeter scoring, he probably play the three a little bit. Yeah, right, right. So, And I think that Kuzma is more of a three at this stage of his career than Kyle Anderson is. So do, do I kick the tires on two expiring contracts and a first-round pick or maybe even two, uh, depending mm. on the quality of the pick, for Kyle Kuzma? Yes, absolutely I do that because, again, you have Kuzma under contract the next two seasons beyond this one at $13 million a year, I believe, is the number. That's your sixth man. That's your six-man score. That's the pop off the bench that you've been lacking. And the Wizards probably do that because it cleans up their books. That's $15 million coming off of their books. So, uh, And they have to re-sign Bradley Beal soon. I mean, he's probably going to opt out of his player option and, and get that Supermax money himself. So I, I do really think that there's legs to that if the Wizards become sellers, which I don't know that they are yet. After losing a game that they were up by 35, maybe they become sellers. But – we often in media, Twitter, verse of NBA stuff, we overvalue individual games. There's too many highs and lows. Does it suck that they lost a game that they were up by 35? Absolutely. That's terrible. And the longer spectrum of the Wizards, they have played a lot poorly than a lot more poorly than they started the season red hot. No denying that. But it counted as one loss all the same. They don't lose three or four extra games for an epic blowout. So I do think. Getting too low would be a mistake, but it's still it's still early. You still have a couple of weeks till the deadline. Yeah, and I kind of that's why I kind of do lean cautious, optimistic because that's just taking advantage of the market right there. And you know, I, I do think that they kind of need a little uh, a little juice with um, some off the bench scoring, half court creation. I think that's something that uh, both of those guys in particular could provide. Um, names that you know, uh, not not necessarily great or crazy to think about. I mean, before when the Grizzlies started the rebuild, everybody talked about Karis LeVert as a 2020 restricted free agency target before he signed his extension with Brooklyn. Uh, you had, I remember hearing that people in uh, the 2020, uh, 2017 offices, uh, they there was interest in Kyle Kuzma uh, back when uh, the Grizzlies ended up buying into the second round twice for Ivan Rab and Dylan Brooks. But I also do lean cautious because I, I do want to see what happens when Dylan Brooks gets back because D- that starting lineup, they've only played in eight games in 74 minutes together. Their net rating is plus 18, and their defensive rating is not, a little below 97. And also, too, I think Dylan Brooks, I think with the lineup staggering uh, kind of does a lot that kind of could potentially shore up some stuff in a playoff series. but. Maybe that's something I ride on. We'll see. But I kind of want that's why I kind of really lean cautious, optimistic because John Morant hasn't played with Dylan Brooks much. And, you know, we haven't really seen Dylan Brooks with this version of John Morant, this version of Desmond Bain, and future defensive player of the year version of Jaron Jackson Jr. So when you're adding a. 15- but how much we talk about how those guys are better because not necessarily better, they have more opportunity. There's more opportunities, yeah. 
But also, it, like I said, opportunity because Dylan's not there too. Hey, but also too, if <laughs> if Dil- if Dylan Brooks is also taking away some of those D'Anthony Melton shots that he's been getting, right? I I can live I can live with whatever cost comes there. But uh, before, before I'm needling Parker on his podcast. You're what? I'm giving you a hard time on your show. Yes, I know. I'm I know. giving you a hard time on your show. <laughs> it, it's all good. I mean. I know we always have attackers on Dylan Brooks Island, but you know what? It's going to be all good. But before we get not, it's not going to be as deep as a uh, draft or not draft uh, trade talk. We'll get into my uh, post on John Morant and Tyus Jones, but we'll do that after the ad break. So don't go anywhere. All right, Joe, I, I know we, we don't see eye to eye on this one. You know, that's what sometimes makes podcasts great is when the two people on the pot, two, three, four, however, they don't agree sometimes and that this is a topic where we don't necessarily agree Tyus Jones and John Morant playing together and again like I said earlier in the show we are in the content creation business and when you have your two point guards go from a minus 19 in one season together to a plus 15 together in the next with no big roster turnover whatsoever you kind of got to think of like hmm, what's going on here like, especially when one of those players is argue, I, I would probably say this year, John Morant's probably like top five most popular players this year. I, I don't think, I mean, we had on ESPN, people are saying that they would take Ja over Giannis long-term. Ke- Kendra Perkins is comparing him to Michael Jordan. Like, that was dumb. In fairness, that was dumb. That was Stephen A. Smith saying that he was, he would take, jaw over Giannis in the playoffs too and Giannis yeah. literally hung a 50 piece in a deciding game in the NBA finals let's let's let jaw get there first uh, I I love jaw but we go we get a little bit excited sometimes yeah yeah but anyways so people want to read stuff on John Morant and then Tyus Jones he's arguably the best backup point guard in basketball so and when you have that you have John Morant Tyus Jones doing well together and you're about to enter a situation where rotations get condensed, you got to kind of look at it. It's like, okay, this is the data. What does it mean? Why is it doing so? What's it like in the playoffs? I never gave a definitive stance, but I know you disagree here. So, Joe, where, where do you stand on the John Morant, Tyus Jones experiment that's been going on this season? You didn't give a stance because you are an excellent Grizzlies blogger politician. You're very good at it. Not a strength of mine, obviously. And in fairness to you, you have a lot more hair than me in part for that reason. Um, I think that I still, you're right about the numbers. And it's certainly worth exploration. I'm not disputing that. For me, watching the game, and this is going to be where I sound like an old guy. Watching the game, I see a 6'1 guard next to a 6'3 guard. And that makes me extremely nervous because that's a pretty undersized backcourt. And we have seen in the past that be an issue defensively. Neither of those guys is elite defensively. They both have improved. I think that's a fair thing to say. Uh, In Jaw this year has shown some growth, uh, especially in terms of playing passing lanes, steals, blocks, all that kind of stuff. And Tyus fights over screens well. He knows positioning relatively well. But they're so small in terms of somebody has to defend the bigger guard in the backcourt. 
And I'm not comfortable with either of them being that guy. I would rather it be Desmond Bain. I'd rather it be friend of GBB Live, DeAnthony Melton. I would rather it be Dylan Brooks in a bigger lineup where he's the two and we have maybe Zaire at the three. I'll be honest with you and say I'd rather it be Zaire at the two. They have physical gifts and physical ability that allows for them to, once they're in an isolated situation, whether it's in the post, on the perimeter, or in the two-man game of the pick and roll, they have more physical ability to be able to get through a screen, put themselves in terms of length and a better spot to defend your shot or deflect the pass than Tyus or Jaw. And that's not a knock on Tyus and Jaw. Tyus is one of the best, if not the best, backup point guards in the NBA. I think he's going to leave the Grizzlies, not because he hates Memphis, but because somebody's going to offer him the MLE or more to go be their starting point guard. And Tyus Jones deserves it. I find it hard to believe there's 29 point guards better than Tyus Jones in the NBA right now. I ain't buying it. He's going to start for somebody. But because both of them are good, doesn't necessarily mean that they fit together well. And I do think that, again, you look at the data, the numbers are there. Context matters too. Who were they playing with? Who were they doing these lineups with? And again, in fairness to you, you talk about that in your piece. That's a major part of this. If they're playing against Golden State and their backcourt is also undersized, well, yeah, who cares, right? If it's a 6'3 guy and a 6'1 guy against a 6'3 guy and a 6'1 guy and they have similar length, go play ball. If you're playing against the Spurs like they are on Wednesday night and you've got Duante Murray and Derek White, maybe it's not as good of an idea because you've got a bigger backcourt that you're dealing with. So I think that size matters. I think that matchup matters. That's what makes me nervous in terms of saying universally that it should be done. But again, in fairness to you, you did not say that. You talked about matchups. You talked about value in the playoffs. That could be a place where it fits. And that's no different than potentially saying that Steven Adams is unplayable against the Mavericks because Christos Porzingis will defend Adams and just play off of him because Adams is not a perimeter threat. And now you've got a 7-3 guy playing free safety around the rim. That's a fair argument, just as it's a fair argument that against the Golden State Warriors, if they have an undersized backcourt, Tyus and Jock could be enough. Yeah, and that, that's kind of where I fall. I wouldn't say I politicized uh, that piece. I gave the argument, and I'm letting the readers think for themselves after it. Oh, I'm not trying to persuade any. But, yeah, no, I, I think that's very important. And like I don't say it's out of the realm of possibilities. I mean – I can't lie, Joe. I about threw my phone through the window when I saw Taylor Jenkins roll out a playoff lineup of Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain, and then a big man. I almost yeah, that was four guards. That's not good. Yeah, it was, so I'm just saying, like, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that we do see a John Morant and Tyus Jones backcourt in a postseason situation because we've seen something similar before. And sure. quite frankly, it's it's tough because on one hand, I want to play Tyus Jones double-digit minutes in the playoffs. I don't want him playing eight minutes a game in the playoffs because he's been arguably probably, what, seventh or eighth best player this year? Like, he's been really good. Yeah. He, he can also he shoot That's the fair. ball. He can run pick and rolls. He's not a complete – he's not the best defender. He's not like an absolute li- – he's not like Trey Young-level liability. Uh, he's adequate that on that end of the floor. But at the same time, there's going to be an opportunity cost as well. 
are you cutting away minutes from DeAnthony Melton, whose defensive playmaking in his out in, I guess his uh, shot volume uh, compared to Tyus Jones, that kind of swings the playoff game a little more. Uh, Kyle Anderson, his positional versatility that changes stuff too. And you know there may be lineups and situations where you can play him at the three because Jaron Jackson Jr. can space the floor. You don't you don't know. Uh, and I know Keith Parrish is also a big truther for Anderson, Clark, and Jackson front courts. Um, are you cutting away Brandon Clark minutes? And I, I don't want to see him not get – I don't want to see him get DMP CDs again in a postseason. He's arguably been probably what? This season, he's pro- probably being your fifth best player? Fifth, sixth? Around there. I think that's fair. So there's just going to be opportunity cost. But, you know, there's that data that exists. and. I, I just think that, you know, if they're if your two point guards are playing well together and the matchups allow, go for it. I mean, heck, if it if it's John Morant and Tyus Jones going up against a backcourt of Malik Monk and Russell Westbrook, I'll take that matchup any day. But again, there's also the disadvantages. LeBron is a mismatch hunter. And the same goes for a guy like Luca as well. Do you want to put two guys that could be hunted in mismatches because of a size disadvantage out on the floor together. That's, that's where like the, the backside of that kind of hits and it, it's just going to be interesting. And I'm with you. Tyus Jones needs to be a starting point guard somewhere. I think Boston should be blowing up uh, Zach Kleiman's phone, trying to get him. I think Boston should be trying to blow up Tyus Jones agent's uh, phone number. The minute uh, clock strikes for free agency, but the data speaks for itself, and we know how much this team in particular loves their data, the data accumulation, so it's worth noting. I think that's fair. I'm not disputing that in any way, shape, or form. And I, I do enjoy watching Tyus play. And I do. this is a good opportunity. When I write a trade article or I, I have an opinion about a player leaving, I don't know these guys personally. None of this is personal, okay? I don't dislike anyone. I have always, you could agree and disagree with my opinions. As long as I've been doing this, I've been thinking about how to make the Memphis Grizzlies better. And I care about the Grizzlies being good. I don't necessarily care about an individual player being good. And I think that's kind of the difference sometimes in terms of my fandom as compared to other people's fandom. I want the Memphis Grizzlies to compete and be good. And if trading Kyle Anderson and Jerry Culver and a couple of firsts gets me Kyle Kuzma, I believe that makes the Grizzlies better. If that means that their vibes are thrown off or that the team climate and culture might be disrupted because of a rotation player being moved, that doesn't bother me as much because I just see the improvement in terms of what Kuzma or a player of that ilk would bring to the floor. And this is a good segue into your article. If the data suggests it and the matchup allows it, absolutely go and do those things because Tyus and jaw have the capacity to create offense for one another. And jaw does not get many chances to be on the floor with a true fellow creator of offense off the dribble and through passes like Tyus very often. So that maximizes jaw a little bit more offensively. There's value to it. I'm looking at things through the lens, in my opinion of what I think the Grizzlies need to be a better basketball team. It's not always through the lens of individual players. And I do think that is different from what a lot of people see 
because basketball, more than almost any other sport, you could be a fan of LeBron James more than you're a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers. You see that all the time. Fandom jumping around based off of where players are. And John Morant might be the next guy that is that. And hopefully he stays in Memphis for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And this, uh, this topic in general, I'll kind of wrap it up with this long view question here. And that, you know, you're going to have uh, playoff rotation contention. And when with John Morant likely getting a Supermax and Tyus Jones getting a new contract, you kind of start to wonder, hey, do we want to shell out close to $40 million in two-point guards who's uh, fit together on the court as matchup dependent? Or do you want to spend more of those resources towards um, building out a better wing rotation or uh, building those resources? Or even then, your future, and I guess the what I'm my question is going to be, do you think the next route in the backup point guard uh, discussion, should it be – going after a guy that can play big minutes next to Ja, whether that is a draft pick or a free agent, going after a guy who's like 6'4 to 6'5 and he's your backup point guard? Or are you counting on Desmond Bain to be that guy? Are you counting on De'Anthony Melton to be that guy? Where where do you kind of sit on this uh, conversation? I think that that's extremely – valuable when you're an nba gm i've never been an nba gm but you have to think about the long-term process of what your cap is going to look like two or three years from now you have your key players jaron jackson jr john morant obviously what in every position you kind of set aside a certain amount of money right like obviously point guard you're gonna probably set aside the most amount of money because you're gonna have to pay john morant But as you alluded to, if John Morant's going to eat up, I don't have the number in front of me. Let's just say it's $35 million a year on average. It might be more, it might be less. I think roughly around there. So let's say he eats up 30-ish million to 35 a year on average. Does it really make sense? Like you said, give another 12 to a guy that's going to play 12 minutes? Or would you rather use one of your probably two first-round picks? I think we all agree they're not making all three. Uh, Maybe at most two. If you keep the Jazz pick, for example, and you're picking 26, 27, and you take a backup point guard who for the next four years is cost controlled, that holds tremendous value because now Jaws going to play 12 to 14 or uh, 34 to 36 minutes a night. You've got $2 million a season tied up in a guy who's only going to play 12 minutes a night. That makes more roster balancing sense than tying up, you know, another 12 million or so in Tyus Jones, who has earned that money. Like, I'm not trying to say that Tyus isn't worth it. He is. He is a good basketball player. But you cannot pay everybody. That's the entire point of the salary cap. And in theory, in the NBA, you can pay a lot of people. But until they're actually in contention for hoisting banners that say NBA champion in it on them, I will believe that Robert Perra is willing to go into tax when I see it. I can assure you he's not willing to go into tax anytime soon. Maybe they get closer to it but you're not going to see that push to bring Tyus Jones back as a reserve guard. Maybe to keep like Golden State has done, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, maybe to have those guys all stick together if you've got four of them, Jaron, Jaw, Desmond Bain, somebody else, maybe. But not for anybody beyond Jaw and Jaron and maybe Bain that's on this current roster. 
more disrespect to Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark on my <laughs> podcast. On my podcast. Damn. Okay, Keep your but, brand strong. Keep your yeah strong. But but no, I, I will say, and I know I actually had uh one of my fiance's family friends email me about this, about the ideas like why is Tyus Jones always like brought up about like you know him leaving or getting rid of him or whatever. He needs to be like an untouchable player. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't trade him. Like I wouldn't trade him this year. But I mean, I think he's a guy that he deserves a promotion. Like he deserves to be a starting point guard somewhere, especially on a team with like dominant wings that need the ball. They need somebody to facilitate for them because they're not a LeBron or Harden or Luka-esque playmaker. That, that's a perfect situation for Tyus. And I, I this is what the NBA is all about. It's about, um, for at least for these players, it's about, you know, maximizing their their wealth and maximizing their career and this is this is just another opportunity to do so uh, i mean i can't really speak for anyone but i, sh- I just kind of i look at it but that, that's about all i mean joe do you have anything else before we wrap up the show no just make sure you guys are sticking around with uh grizzlybearblues.com at sbn grizzlies parker just doing a great job covering the games for us i know he's back at it on saturday with the wizards uh, make sure you're following Brandon Abraham for all his coverage of the Memphis hustle. Uh, I believe Brendan smart is starting to get back started with, uh, the G, uh, excuse me, with the NBA 2k league. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The 2k league. I had a brain fart there. Uh, the 2k league. I know that's getting ready to start back up with the draft and all those things. Nobody covers the Memphis Grizzlies organization better than grizzlybearblues.com. Lots of talented writers, lots of good content every day. Obviously Parker's a big part of that. Make sure you're sticking it out with us. Uh, the all-star break uh, for the first time isn't going to be much of a break. Uh, first time in a while, I should say. I think John Morant, maybe even Desmond Bain uh, will, will keep us busy that weekend. So make sure your all-star weekend is clear, Parker. We, we probably got some work to do. I think I can manage that. I think I can manage that. I definitely want to see uh, Desmond Bain just out-muscle some of these uh, G League night players that are about to – Go up against him in this uh, whatever it is kind of deal. That's a topic for another podcast. And that, that's a topic that where we have night. Uh, That's where we need to have Brandon Abraham to just go complete like Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless on this because I think he's got stronger opinions than us. But, you know, that's about all the time we have. Uh, you can find Joe on Twitter at Joe Molinax. Uh, read all of his work over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, he, he's, he has his opinions, and don't, don't make, make sure, like you said, don't think of him as a guy that's hating on the players. He just very deeply wants to make the Grizzlies better, and you got to respect that. So and he's one of the best writers, podcasters, in Grizzlies sphere out there. So make sure you're following him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you are Subscribe to the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Give us a five-star review. I know you can finally do that on Spotify, so make sure you're doing that. Uh, read all of our work at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back soon. So um, grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is the Longview Podcast. Longview Podcast.